0: Hello, and welcome to Business Talk with Chris Hazel. Today, my guest is Michael Mikey-Thomas, of uh, owner of Home of Darwin and uh, Darwin VIP. Uh, that's a networking academy aimed at making networking less stressful and more successful for everyone. So welcome, Mikey.
1: Thank you very much for the kind of welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, it's nice
0: to be here. Good. Um, so, yeah, first of all, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, your businesses, what you do,
1: yeah no problem i'll dive in um so uh my name is michael thomas my friends and family call me mikey uh a lot of people know me as mikey i was born in the states so i'm not putting on this accent to sound different in stratford upon Avon. um and i was born in a city outside chicago um which by american standards is a suburb but by british standards would be like london to birmingham um (laughs) It's a place called Champaign-Urbana, uh, home of the fighting Illini. Um, if anybody happens to listen from that neck of the woods, go Illini. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, because I did do a bit of a Wikipedia search on uh, on, on Champagne, found out some interesting facts. Um, it was the birthplace of bands such as Oreo Speedwagon, which I think I remember from the 90s barely, Hum. And according to Wikipedia... It was a place where Vice President Kamala Harris lived at one time. Wow! So I could argue that maybe we were neighbors. I can't find a date when she lived, (laughs) but but that's Wikipedia. So don't blame me if that's totally incorrect. Um, Um, So in 2000, I moved to the UK with my family. Um, Now I run two businesses, as you mentioned, home of Darwin, the marketing agency, and Darwin.VIP, the networking academy. I'll tell you a bit more about me, presumably as we dive in here, but that's, that's yeah. a rough joke.
0: And so um, what brought you to doing, well, each of those businesses, which one came first? Um, um,
1: so um, interestingly, uh, okay, so I'll go back a little bit further if I may. When, when I was eight, um, I set up my first business, uh, Lemonade Stand in Florida. Uh, I don't know how to do it now, because it was like 100 degree Fahrenheit, which I don't know what that is in Celsius, I can't remember, um, weather. And I was wearing a full suit out in the sun all day, trying to sell lemonade. And um, it actually taught me one of my most important lessons at the age of eight, um, which I live by, is which is staying curious. And that's kind of how I ended up um, on the journey I'm on now. So I went, went to university uh, in Oxford, at Oxford Brookes University, uh graduated with the 2-1 in marketing, um, and then I worked uh, on a really cool project whilst at university. Again, this is kind of how we got to the marketing bit. Um, not only was I doing the degree, but this is pre, like, the boom of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we were doing radio uh, marketing. Um, so local radio and then local marketing initiatives, and I loved it. We got to work with all these small businesses and that was kind of my first real insight into small businesses. And I guess the coolest thing for me was realizing that if they wanted to do something, they could just do it. Whereas you see these big companies and as great as they may be, they don't have that kind of flexibility and that kind of, that kind of innovative capability that small businesses do. So it kind of reinforced that point, again, for me, um, younger Mikey with the lemonade stand. I was like, ooh, I love marketing. I love business. Let's see where we go with this. So then I ended up working in London and working for um, the UK's largest health and fitness show. So I got to build partnerships with the RFU, WWE. Little Mikey loved that because he loved wrestling. Um and um parts of that were a real dream job to me and of course i was in marketing but i i kind of knew there were little seeds going uh there's something here mikey you can kind of use all this experience with small businesses with these these organizations kind of go out on your own so i set up my own business in 2011 which uh then was called blue light digital um and we've been going 11 years now, as uh, we're now Darwin, home of Darwin. And um, the VIP Academy, dot VIP Academy, came as with all great ideas, like a light bulb moment. Um, during COVID, you remember that? The pandemic? Mm. Um, people kept asking me how I was making networking work so well for my business. And so I kind of gave my. Years of experience in little tidbits and kind of a, a rough plan to them. People got great results, and then people kept asking me. And of course, I thought I could help more people if I created an online because you know online communities are very much uh, a great and an accessible way for anyone to learn anything. So I thought I could do that, and that's how the VIP Academy was born.
0: Cool. And so how old how old were you when you first set up on your own? Um, 25. 25, So pretty young. Um, and did you know that you sort of you'd have the clients, or did
1: you have the clients? Have this? Uh, sort of. So I certainly didn't have anything that constitutes a full-time salary of clients, um, or even a decent part-time salary. Um, I just had uh, an idea that I knew, having worked with those big organizations that I could work with anybody, I could help anybody. Um, And so after like 40 different business name ideas and domains I bought, and I don't know whether you've ever had that, and I swear everybody has, um, where you go, oh, I've got a great name for it. Oh, I better go to 123 Reg or whatever. I'm not plugging any domain name companies, just to be clear, but I'll go to that website and I'll buy that domain before anyone else does. And then you wake up the next day, and then you're like, that's a terrible idea. What did I ever think of that? And you go through 40 of those until I just came to the idea that, you know, um, blue people called me the blue-eyed boy, the blue, you know, all that stuff um, for years and years and years. And I thought, well, what do I do? Digital marketing. Okay, blue-eyed digital. And that's how um, that came about. But, yeah, I certainly didn't have, like, a a plethora of clients to to fill my boots, um, I started like everybody does with very little. Mm. Set up a website, business cards, and and that's that's when I actually started networking.
0: So that um, was your first, your, your first portal call was that I need, you thought networking was going to be your way of,
1: of finding those initial clients. Yeah, hundred so, percent. And uh, it's definitely been the most consistent, most profitable way for me to to get new clients and build new relationships.
0: And do you think that's the same across lots of different? Industries, or do you think that's more specific to what
1: you do? Or I work? think I th- I think if you can provide, like I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna uh, um, give a, a pseudo politician's answer to that because I can't I can't necessarily apply it to um, a specific business and say that will work or that won't work. What I would say is it's all about communication. So if you know how to communicate the value that you can add to people in a room in a really simple, punchy way, then networking can work. And of course you do need a plan, you know, before, during and after that activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do think it can work for most, but and primarily, let's be brutally honest, primarily it works best for B2B, so business to uh, business organizations. Um, that being said, there's a lot of relationships that B2C companies can build. You know, the, the, the classic Um, financial advisor, accountant, uh, or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. um, where they kind of touch on on very similar paths, but in a different sort of uh, direction, so to speak, so.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously, we met at uh, a networking event, and um, you're obviously very good at it because you were probably, I'd say, the most memorable of the people. Oh, wait,
1: that's so nice. uh, (laughs) I will. I'll transfer the money after this, right? (laughs) Uh, that's hey. very kind of you to say, mate. That's you, you yeah. definitely got it nailed.
0: Um What's what's what? What do you think? Give us your top three tips on on ne- on like attending a networking event.
1: Um, okay, one. Look, we the most important thing, and it took me years to realize this lesson. The most important thing that we have is time, and it's the most precious. Nobody, no, no matter how much money you have, you can't get more time. So. Make sure that you do your research on the networking events. Because a lot of people say, go to loads. I say, don't. I say, go to the right ones or the ones that you think will be right. Because there's nothing worse than spending two or three hours, you know, not just in a room, but traveling, parking, all that stuff. And then totally realize after, I don't know, three months of doing that exact same thing that it's not right when actually most people could avoid that potential situation by doing their research beforehand. So I would say, number one, do your research um, and ask questions. Like nobody asks questions. Like I, I, for instance, if I was going to go visit a um, networking event and I was looking to build relationships with mortgage advisors, financial advisors, whatever, first thing I do when I request to come and visit is say, hey, um, I'd love to connect with these two groups of people. Are they a part of your group? If so, how many are there? How frequently did they visit? But most people just book an event, go blindly. um, And I think everybody would agree with me. After time, you'd agree that that wasn't the best use of it. So I'd say research, number one. Number two, um, make sure you're very clear on uh, not only who you're trying to target, but how you can help them. So by that, I mean, don't, you know, I, one of the biggest mistakes I see in networking is people say, well, I'm looking for anyone who needs X and like that doesn't help anybody because nobody's sitting there going, Oh, cool. I know somebody who specifically asked me for a mortgage, right? It just doesn't happen. So if you say I'm looking for introductions to, um, you know, first time buyers between the age of 18 and 30, um, just to get to know them so that I can I can help them should they ever need it with their first purchase. And then you can build up that network of those potential clients in a way that's natural. Not I'm trying to sell you something. It's, hey, I'm this person. I can help you with this when you're ready. And these are things you need to think about beforehand. Um, so number two is is be very clear um, and. Uh, I suppose number three, and and probably the most important, is trying to help other people. Mm. Because as human beings, the more and more I re- I'm i a bit of a, a, a geek, I'll read all the time about stuff. And I'm, one of the things I'm most intrigued about is, is ways that we can perform better, move forward faster, et cetera. And of course, the more we help others, the more they want to help us. It's dead obvious. But you'll find that the serial networks, serial networkers, so to speak, you know, some of them will go to networking event after networking event and pitch, 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 pitch. Um and they wonder why, like nobody's buying, right? First of all, nobody goes to buy. Everybody goes to networking to 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 build their business. They're not necessarily going there to uh buy somebody else's stuff. But if you take time to listen to people, to help people, inevitably, over time, you'll start getting that reciprocally. You'll get the, the referrals back in a way that's very natural and they want to do rather than being pushed. So to summarize those three, um, uh, obviously, value your time and do your research. Two, communicate really simply. And three, and most importantly, help others first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's really useful. Um, of course, we're also talking mainly about Darwin.VIP, but you do have a you know whole, whole other side in business. What sort some things you help people with on the digital marketing front?
1: Um, so, look, primarily what people want is they want to be able to generate um, a more positive outcome, which usually means leads, traffic, customers, or clients. Uh, so the way that we do that is obviously – through advertising, uh, through communication. And it, it, essentially, we our goal is to get them in front of more of the people they want to do business with. So it varies. It's not like, I wouldn't say that we'll um, use this, this, and this every single time because markets are different. Um, for example, if you were trying to market to um, people over the age of 70 um, with a product, um, generally, Generally, they do not um, use the tools that the rest of us use every single day. So using a more personalized approach and a traditional approach is something that they value because, again, that stuff for all of us is kind of going by the wayside, unfortunately. So it depends. It, it, it's it's all about digital primarily, but then we do um, print stuff as well, depending on who the audience is. And, and like I said, the goal is to just drive the outcome that the client wants, um, using the methods at our disposal and a strategy that, that backs that up.
0: And who do you work with, what type of person? Well, uh,
1: it varies. So from a, uh, well, Aston Villa former Players Association is one of my favorites because uh, I'm an Aston Villa fan, and that was really cool, um, all the way through to um, Ragley Hall, um, RatedSolicitors.com, everything from solicitors, accountants, um, obviously health and fitness. Given my background, there Uh, it varies, Um, but generally the most important thing is making sure that the client understands. Because there are so so, I know that we'll probably touch on misconceptions, right? Yeah. One of the misconceptions about marketing. And and I don't know whether this is this is I don't know the source, but what I'd say is one of the biggest misconceptions is people expect results straight away. Whilst we'd all love for that to be the case, in most instances, anything you know um, worth having isn't easy and it takes time. And um, one of the biggest misconceptions, of course, is that we can just put ourselves out there and clients will come flooding uh what we do is a much more methodical approach data driven message driven and and we can actually make tweaks based on data rather than just intuition
0: mm-hmm. so, you yeah. your the biggest misconception is that people think
1: that they're bullets or yeah yeah they that, that can just become a success go viral and and um you know we'll, we'll be made and unfortunately um to go slightly up topic, you see on, on Instagram or probably on TikTok, I've not seen it on TikTok, I'm sure it's on TikTok, but you see these people pretending, and they are pretending to be multimillionaires, um, you know, with a rented car, rented house, all of that stuff. And like, of course, as human beings, we respond because we think, you know, um, the again, a misconception about life, I suppose, is uh you know all the money in the world and i'll never have any any issues to deal with or any problems everything will be perfect Mm -hmm. and of course you know um there is that that sort of side to it where again misconceptions are being peddled and fuel that idea that that you know you do one thing and everything will be perfect and it does it it, it, with every single business the example i always use is uber do you know the story of uber
0: Uh, didn't it start out as, um, they were trying to map, build a map or something? I don't know.
1: Well, well, so, okay. So, so the first thing, a lot of people don't know that in the first year of Uber, they just, um, did it in San Francisco Mm. to work out all the bugs, all the problems. So people see Uber as this amazing thing that just exploded, but actually they went through tons of issues and they still have issues from a business perspective, and I won't comment on any of that because that's, I don't know enough. But the the one thing I'd say is, as a business, remember that whether it was Facebook, whether it was Amazon, whether it was Uber, all these great ideas that we all think are huge, like overnight successes, had tons of versions behind them. And of course, Dyson had 800 odd versions. So I think people need to um, realize that it's a process rather than something that just happens. Um, but yeah, that that would be my opinion on it.
0: Fair enough. So it brings me on to actually nicely, um, you've obviously been in business for uh, well, over 10 years now. Um, what's been your biggest failure and what's been your biggest success?
1: Maybe the biggest failure? Um, okay, so I can't necessarily um, point to one specific failure. I can point to one specific thing I did that anybody could take out of this that 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 didn't help. Um, if you're look if you're pushing yourself, if you're trying to move forward, life is full of them, and you could take on too much. And I certainly have taken on too much over the years, you know, working um, ridiculous hours. And I didn't put my my health first. And I was always thinking about the next thing, the next thing. Because um, I love it. I really enjoy it. But, of course, the balance is looking after yourself. And I burnt out la- last year. Um, I had a brief spell in hospital. But I, I I basically burnt myself out to the point where I was really unwell. And I think the biggest failure is, and, and I, of course, I learned from that, to just make sure that I look after myself and my business in equal measure. Because we all say health is really important. But guess what? Most people, if you ask them honestly, will sacrifice their health unknowingly by putting too many hours in and, and you know, completely burning out. Which, which of course, like the short term is you, you get sick, you feel unwell, you say, you know, never again, I'm going to balance my life, and then it repeats. But long term, that can cause a lot of stress in the body and a lot of problems. So... My biggest failure also taught me one of my biggest lessons, that instead of talking the talk about putting health first, I do it now.
0: So what have you done then? Say again? What have you done differently?
1: Um, so now um, I do Pilates and yoga um, three times a week. I've just recently got a personal trainer um, who keeps me... Um, you know, going, pushing, etc., so that I don't, you know, it's easy for all of us to go to the gym. Going to the gym is the first part. But a lot of people go to the gym and if they're on their own, they probably won't push themselves as hard as if they're they've got a buddy with them or a personal trainer to push them. So that's the second thing. Um the third is I'm fortunate enough to be able to hop on my treadmill, my bike, do my weights. In between, I think Zoom creates, a, uh, or any other video conferencing platform, creates the opportunity to be able to live flexibly and fit in uh, workouts during the day, or even go for a walk during the day. So I have blocked out time regularly in my diary for these things. So I'm lucky it's not, you're not
0: on the treadmill during this <laughs> call.
1: I'm not. No, I yeah. could. I could literally grab this and. Hop on the treadmill if you want. I don't know whether um, sweaty, breathless me would necessarily um, answer questions in any form of detail, probably just throw in the towel. Um, But, um, yeah, it's an active role in in health. Um, And I think that's so important for everybody. We all talk about the business successes we want to have, and that's great. But without your body, without your health, it doesn't matter.
0: And have you changed the, the way you structure your days or your work day then, or is it just doing yeah, so, the
1: fitness? Yeah, so I do I do it before anything starts for the day. So I do it, uh, the bulk of it anyway, like I said, I do split up the day because I think sitting at your desk or standing as I am now at my desk um, isn't necessarily good. So uh, I block out, you know, usually between about half five and seven. To do exercise so that again, my brain at the beginning of the day is buzzing. And even if something comes up during the day that that, that adds an extra hour, two hours to my day, it means that I've still worked out at the beginning.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So do you have any, do you do anything like that? Uh no. <laughs> Pretty bad. I uh it's I, not I, no dude, there's
0: there's no one formula for everybody, right? No. I I mean. When I, when I was training towards a goal, then I would yeah, and I would do it in the mornings, and then you can get on with the day. And especially with kids, um, it sort of is easier to do it that way. Because otherwise, at the end of the day, you just you're knackered, aren't you? Um, but no, at the moment, I'm not particularly good at it. Uh, I don't know if that will change. But
1: don't do don't do the the one thing I would say. Don't do the New Year's resolution thing and say I'm going to change today because it's January first. You can change any day. Mm. Um, There's a reason why most people join the gym in January and by February, they're nowhere to be seen, but they've signed up for a whole year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that's my biggest failure, but out of it is something positive. I try and take something positive out of absolutely everything.
0: Cool. Um, And your biggest success?
1: Uh, I think think, (laughs) it's got to be between... Doing what I love for 11 years, despite the fact that I guarantee you, I've thought about throwing in the towel a billion times because you have ups and downs in business. So that, I guess that would be one of the But actually, I think my bigger one is, is something called the Slim Gym Challenge, which uh, was a couple of years back for the Shakespeare Hospice, the local hospice. Um, and the idea was that we'd all um, work at different gyms, but work together to try and lose weights, improve health. But also raise money for the hospice, and between us all, we raised thousands. Um, and for me personally, um, I'm very competitive, so I was pleased to say that I won at my gym, um, uh, which which was something I wanted to do. But of course, the 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 way the impact that the work we'd done as a group um, not only had on the hospice and the people there, but also on everybody's well being um i saw you know when i first went there i saw um people who were tired you know clearly want to change but but also um when i came back there was just happiness joy a real sense of community and it was amazing so it'd definitely be that because i'm really proud of that that was really hard that's 12 weeks of non-stop um calorie counting working out probably two hours a day i was really obsessed What's um, what's um? determined winning is that
0: biggest weight loss, so
1: a percentage. Yeah. So like we obviously weren't all the same starting weight, so it was based on um. We we did weigh ins every week, and um. It was basically percentage of weight, um, which I've I've got it somewhere. I used to have it pinned up on the fridge, like uh, like uh, you know, um. Yeah, really proud of it. Certificate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: cool. No, that sounds like a great idea because you're you know. It, it, Takes away from just doing it for yourself but you're also doing it for charities so you've got another reason to to keep you going and,
1: yeah. and it was i suppose it's extra challenging for me um because um i i basically i've got um ulcerative colitis which is an ongoing chronic illness which i'm on top of thankfully but i also was born with tight hamstrings and calves so for me, um, doing a marathon would be doing a 5k would be insane. Yeah. Um, but doing this was insane as well. Um, and so it wasn't like extra challenging for me, um, because I I think, you know, uh, both in the back of my mind and, um, you know, those, those who knew me thought, can he actually do this? Mm -hmm. Um, which, 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 you know, Running a business, you know, is either uh, fire for you or destabilizing to an extent. For me, that stuff is always fire. Um, so, yeah.
0: Cool. Um, and who's been an influence for you in your life? Is there anyone that
1: school or...? Uh... Um, okay, so it's really hard because there's different ones at different times. Um, inevitably, um, my father, huge um because he's he's just so determined so committed um and so focused i just yeah I, he's he's a very infectious uh personality um and and the way that he's applied himself to his work and then um from my mother compassion and i suppose um she's very she's just so interested in people i think that's where i get that from and then of course i guess influence biggest influence um I think Christopher Reeve, when I was younger, do you remember Superman? Yeah. Um so he he had that uh accident, paralyzed, told he was never gonna walk again. Um he did pass away eventually, but but he got to the point where he was walking. And that was insane. And I thought, well, if somebody can overcome something as scientifically, um challenging and and something that seems absolutely impossible, then whatever I got going on, yeah, I can overcome. Get over. Yeah. Um there's lots, there's there's lots of people who just uh I'm I'm always inspired by people who um by the underdogs. Like people say, well that's not possible. And then they go and do it that's inspiring. Um so yeah sorry I can't give like a whole host. I've got loads of people I could go on for <laughs> ages.
0: Um cool. where's where's the business going to be in the future? Where are you looking for it
1: to go? So um good question. The uh in terms of uh me and my partner, we planned because obviously the business needs to provide the future that we want. Because other otherwise, you know, um what's the what's the point for us? I want I want to grow uh the academy. Significantly, we have targets for that, um, and the agency point of view, we want to um, certainly continue to help more and more people. Again, we have targets. I don't have them in front of me right now. I didn't know that I was <laughs> going to need them right now. But the point is, we want to help more people, and the and I, I I'm serious about that. A lot of people say that, but I love the power that that networking and marketing can have. On people's businesses and therefore their own lives of course the knock-on effects are, are amazing so um certainly i want to continue growing and continue helping people
0: cool and uh just a couple more questions to finish it out um but
1: what's your favorite local business my favorite local business uh i think touchdown cafe so um if you go to weldbourne airfield um oh uh, yes there there's a calf there and i love it so the people there just make you feel super welcome um you know the the story behind it all which i won't reveal go there find out get to know the people but whenever i go there i feel like i'm a part of something really really cool really different um and the the people make you feel great plus seeing all the planes is really cool the child in me comes out
0: (laughs) how often you go there
1: uh so I must admit, a slap on the wrist, I probably haven't been for a couple of months, but pre-COVID, we would go every couple of weeks. Um, and it's just, it's it's you don't necessarily have to eat lots of food or do anything and such, but just being around the people, being in the place, feeling the vibe. It feels like, you know, the way communities were. Um, and yeah. I'm not saying communities aren't like that anymore, but certainly with social media, with digital, all that stuff, it's less about the community, um, if you know what I mean. Is it, it kid-friendly? Yes, absolutely.
0: Cool. So I've, I've been in Stratford, lived in Stratford about 20-odd years, and I've never, never been. I've heard of it and know of it, but, um, yeah, definitely give it a give it a try. Yeah?
1: Well, they also, I don't remember the date, but they've also got a World War Two little museum there with a Vulcan plane and stuff. So the kids will probably love it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And um, just finally, Len, where can people find out a bit more about you? Where do they go to to get in touch if
1: they're interested? If you want to find out more about me, go to darwin.vip or um, visit (laughs) (laughs) hummockdarwin.com. Sorry, I wanted to make that right. Uh, If you want to find out more about me, go to darwin.vip. Um yeah, there's, there's lots of information about the courses, lots of lots of free guides and stuff to help people move forward with their, uh, their business and networking. Because I know, you know, with inflation, with the economy, all the stuff that's going on right now, believe me, networking is one of the most consistent, most profitable ways I've managed to grow my business. And people can do the same without plunging loads of money on Facebook or Google or whatever. Um, it's a great place to start.
0: Cool, perfect. I'll put all those in the, um, the show notes. But um, yeah, thank you so much for um, spending some time with me. And uh, it's been really, really interesting getting today you.
1: you too, buddy. Thank you very Thanks, much.
0: <music> thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please email me at, chris at chrishazelmortgages.co.uk. Speak to you next time.